welcome to the Bronovo Podcast, the podcast that models healthy communication for men, empowering them to start the journey of self-work. Now here's your host, Thomas Pierce. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of the podcast. It's me, your host, Thomas Pierce. My guest this week is my sister, Megan, who is back as our first ever repeat guest, besides me, I guess. And Megan's in the show today because I want to get the word out about the 2022 midterm election that's happening this fall, this November here in Pennsylvania. I'm home visiting all across the country, that country being the United States. There are elections this November, and I want to educate and encourage you to register to vote, look up the candidates and issues that are being campaigned on, and go make your educated vote and participate in our democracy, because that's what it needs, is healthy, thoughtful participation. Enjoy. Megan. Hello. Really? Welcome along. <laughs> the first you. repeat guest in the history of the media empire that is the Bro Nouveau podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I am truly honored to be your first repeat guest. And I'll add, just set the stage. We're uh, joined today by my my pets. We have Archie here on the couch. We've got Winston the cat sniffing around. We've got beautiful plants around us. It's just a beautiful day in Philadelphia. Beautiful day in the neighborhood. Right, Archie? <laughs> so if you hear any just, yeah, scrambling, meows, barks, there's just, there's pets here with us today. And today we're here to talk about an important topic, the upcoming midterm elections in Pennsylvania. Yes, we are. A lot going on. A lot going on. Lot I think going that's on. an understatement. So I'll, I'll, I'll share why I wanted to do this. On top of you know your expertise working in voting promotion, we can call it that, sure. enablement, <laughs> um, I've been quite concerned by the deepening polarization in our uh, in our domestic politics and mm. this election is basically the from my assessment is the first test of Trump's endorsement and and a kind of or a check in rather on how much of a stranglehold does uh former president Trump still have on the Republican party mm. you know we saw the primaries where some of his endorsements proved successful and some of them didn't as far as the candidates he endorsed but a lot of observers are saying that the way the Republican Party is kind of transforming is, you know, these kind of anti-democratic tendencies, big D democratic tendencies, mm. refusing to commit to certifying votes, elections, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So I kind of wanted to talk about that. And also, because you're an expert in Pennsylvania voting, it's a good idea to kind of check in what's going on in PA. And also a lot of the people who listen to the podcast are from Pennsylvania, mm. so they could actually vote in this election. Great. So I'm really happy to talk about all of that um, and just a little bit about my background and kind of how I'll approach the conversation. So I'm the executive director of the League of Women Voters of Pennsylvania. Um, the League is a national organization, so I run the Pennsylvania chapter. I mean, the League is nonpartisan, so I'm definitely here to be kind of a nonpartisan representative of the election process, the democracy infrastructure in Pennsylvania. So I am certainly not going to talk about, you know, my own personal feelings about any of the candidates or make any kind of endorsement. Um, 
But I am, I do think it's really important to have these kind of conversations because as you say, we're increasingly polarized. And unfortunately, that's trickled down to even talking about elections in general and talking about the way that we vote. That's become polarized. So yeah, really happy to be here today. Awesome. Cool. So I guess just a background again on the league. What is the League of Women Voters? Mm -hmm. So the League of Women Voters um, was started during the suffrage movement over 100 years ago. So at the point in U.S. history when women were denied the right to vote, the League is one of the organizations that came out of that movement in demanding that women have equal access to the ballot. So we've been on the ground in communities across the U.S. um, ever since then. So our mission has remained the same for since our founding, which is to empower voters and defend democracy. And what that means is voter education, getting out the vote, um, making it sure that there's policies in place that empower voters that make it easy and accessible to vote. And then we also do policy advocacy. So the league takes positions on federal, local, and state-level policymaking, and we endorse certain things. So, for example, we take positions on reproductive rights, on climate, on gun safety and gun control, um, and we encourage our members to take action on those issues as well. Um, And as I said, we're a national organization. Um, There's affiliates all over the country. So it's really a really cool job to be kind of working in this really interesting state um, through a national umbrella organization that has, you know, a really great reputation in in policy and advocacy. So how is that different? I guess there are some policies where the league will take a position and some Mm -hmm. where it won't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think the key definition is nonpartisan here that we're kind of circling. So I always find it's really helpful to define what does nonpartisan mean. Um, So nonpartisan means that we do not endorse candidates for office. We don't say this candidate or this party would be better for this elected office. We also don't give money to any candidate or elected official. Mm -hmm. Um, So what nonpartisan does not mean is apolitical. So it doesn't mean that the league just stands back and doesn't walk boldly into arenas to say, you know, this is an issue that our members have studied that we believe in and that we think is right or wrong. So we've taken positions um, um, across the aisle. Um, You know, we don't say this party is doing better than the other party on any particular issue. Um, But that doesn't mean that we sometimes align or don't align with different parties. And we encourage all voters to be that way and to vote that way, actually, Mm -hmm. to do your research, to decide where you stand, and to not just have kind of blind affiliation to one side of the aisle. Yeah, totally. That's the great distinction between not apolitical and nonpartisan. Exactly. Okay, awesome. And then another kind of contextualizing question, what is a midterm and where does it fit into the cycle of elections in the U.S.? Definitely. So you hear the word midterm um, in terms of federal elections. So we just had a presidential election in 2020, um, and we're now two years into that cycle. So this is the midterm of a four-year term um, of President Biden. Um, But I'll just add also, you know, we're going to talk about this election cycle, the 2022 election cycle, um, but elections happen every four years, and they actually happen twice a year. So we have primary elections that happen in May where we decide, you know, of all the candidates running for each party, who's the one person we want to represent the party in a particular race. And then in the general election, which is in November, those two candidates go up against each other. 
Every two years, I thought. Or is it every four years? Uh, for which office? You said there are elections every four years. So there are elections every year, and every year oh, kind of depends you. which elections are up are up for like elections. Okay, yeah. cool. Which offices are up for election? I should say. Awesome. And then, yeah, Pennsylvania has been called a, a bellwether state, mm. or you know, a purple state in the sense that it has voted for both kind of ideologies historically. Yeah. Why does it matter in the context of national politics? Definitely. So uh, I love this question because I love talking about Pennsylvania because I think we're really interesting. (laughs) So (laughs) Pennsylvania is definitely a battleground state. It's purple, as you say, um, meaning the balance of power between Democrats and Republicans swings between parties. And also um, one party doesn't always win control of the same levels of government. So for example, we currently have um, a Democratic governor in Pennsylvania, but a Republican controlled state legislature. So the body that makes our laws in Pennsylvania is Republican, but um, you know, the, the governor is, is a Democrat. Um, also, you know, we have two U.S. senators right now, Pat Toomey and Bob Casey. One is a Democrat, one is a Republican. And we're just a very diverse state in so many ways. So we have a huge urban and rural divide. Um, we have increasing ethnic and racial diversity. So people for running for office in Pennsylvania really have to appeal to all kinds of voters. And as a result, here in PA, we are seeing candidates who are reflecting all the major political trends that we're seeing on the national level. So we have kind of very far right candidates, very far left candidates, centrist candidates, all running for all levels of office. And I think in Pennsylvania, what people have identified is that the states are really huge. The stakes are really huge. So who we elect as our next governor of PA, for example, will have a huge influence on abortion laws, um, election laws, kind of things that we're seeing at the federal level are really being brought um, down to the state. Um, And then kind of lastly, the Senate race, so who we elect next to represent us as U.S. Senator, will definitely have implications federally. So if, for example, Democrats want to um, maintain or even advance control of the U.S. Senate, who we elect as our next senator could influence that. And it's also going to shape you know, the overall um, impact of President Biden's agenda. So will he be able to continue delivering on campaign promises that he made to us in 2020? Um, it kind of will depend who we elect to the Senate. So that's why everyone is hyper-focused on Pennsylvania, why the media is following us, um, why people call my office all the time and ask how Pennsylvania women are going to vote. <laughs> and my answer is, I don't know, because we don't pull our members. <laughs> no, you don't. We do not. No. That's, so That's kind of part of being nonpartisan. Exactly. We don't ask our members when they sign up to be a member, what their affiliation is. We don't endorse anything. We don't ask, you know, I can give, I just, I really don't know how how women are going to vote. I can tell you my opinion. I can um, ask my friends, but that's, that's not a good sample size of the state. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So just like you said, how the political parties can kind of split power here in the state it's very similar to the national arena, right? Because mm-hmm. we have a democratic president and a Republican controlled house mm-hmm. and a paper thin democratically controlled Senate. Mm-hmm. So all of those are at stake, right? Because mm-hmm. let's say 
if the Republicans hold their seat from the PA Senate for of a two, one of Pennsylvania seats, and then mm-hmm. Democrats lose theirs, mm-hmm. then potentially there goes the Democratic the Democrats Senate majority, majority in the Senate, yeah. which has a huge knock on effect because yep. they're not expected to win the House, correct? Um, I mean, it's polling is that's the most recent polls that I've seen, but it's going to fluctuate between now and the election. Um, and as we know, polls don't tell us everything we need to know about elections. So um, another great reason to vote if you want to make your voice heard. Yeah. Cool. So what's what's going on in this? Uh, well, so when is the election? So the election is November 8th, which is a Tuesday. However, Pennsylvania does have mail-in voting. So you can request a mail-in ballot and vote um, before uh, a really important deadline to be aware of is we have a voter registration deadline in Pennsylvania. So October 24th is the last day that you can register to vote. So unlike other states, you can't just walk up to your polling place on election day, register on the spot, and then vote. So it's really important to know to make a plan to vote early by October 24th. Mm, okay. Cool. So what positions are up for the vote up for uh, review this this election? So many. <laughs> and I'll say this a million times during this talk, but this is a really important election year in Pennsylvania and everywhere, but especially in Pennsylvania. So our governor's office is up for election. So Governor Tom Wolf has reached his term limit. So he's not no longer able to serve as governor. Um, the governor is the commander in chief of the state. Um, he has the duty to enforce laws of the state and to either approve or veto bills that are passed by the legislature. So it's a very important position. The Pennsylvania lieutenant governor is also up for election, which is the second in command to the governor. Uh, We talked about the U.S. Senate already, but we have one U.S. Senate seat up for election. And also we have 17 congressional seats up for election. So those are the members of the federal house who represent Pennsylvania in Congress. And then locally, we have a ton of really important elections. So the lawmaking body of the state. So we have um, a, a PA House and a PA Senate as well. So though half of the Senate seats are up and 203 House seats are up. So tons and tons of elections. And depending on where you live in the state, there could be even more local elections. So for example, here in Philadelphia, we're going to have special elections to elect some um, city council seats. Um, And a great way to know what's on your ballot and to find out if you don't want to have to remember, write all that down, is to use the league's election tool, vote411.org. You just put in your address and it'll auto-populate a ballot for you depending on where you live. Oh, sweet. Yeah. What a tool. What a tool. (laughs) So useful. And that's national. (laughs) That's a national tool. So you don't have to live in Pennsylvania to use that. Vote411.org. And the... Philadelphia special elections are for the city council members who vacated their seats to run for mayor. Exactly. So according to the Philadelphia charter, if you want to run for mayor, you have, you're, um, you're required to leave office. So there's several members of city council who are running for mayor next year. So they've all um, vacated their offices and they'll have special elections to fill those seats. Awesome. So plenty of, uh, plenty of stuff. So one, Senate seat, mm-hmm. about 20 roughly, give or take, a little less. House seats and the governorship. Yep. The gubernatorial. Gubernatorial, gubernatorial race. Gabagoo. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Okay, let's start with the governor then. Yes. Um, what was the outgoing governor's um, position? And, and from, I believe the state house and Senate are controlled by the Republicans, correct? Correct. So governor Tom Wolf um, has, as I said, you know, fulfilled his, his term limit. Uh, governor Tom Wolf is a Democrat. He's from York, Pennsylvania, which is South central PA. And um, he leaves with a pretty progressive record. Um, I say progressive meaning, you know, left leaning. Um, and as you said, yes, the, the, Currently, the state legislature is Republican controlled. So um, Governor Wolf is also leaving office with a record of vetoing a lot of Republican legislation, including um, abortion bans in PA. And currently, there's two, uh, the two uh, candidates that Pennsylvanians elected to run for office um, for governor are Josh Shapiro, who is currently the attorney general of Pennsylvania. He's a Democrat. And Doug Mastriano, who's a Republican, who currently serves as a state senator. Um, so that, wa- that race has been highly contentious. It's been highly watched. Um, and I, you know, I really encourage everyone to look into both of those candidates' positions um, and, you know, decide how you feel. So the other big race is the lieutenant governor office. So again, second in command uh, for that for that governor's uh, office. Austin Davis is a Democrat um, and Carrie Del Rosso is a Republican. Both of them currently serve in the Pennsylvania State House and they're both from the greater Pittsburgh area. It's kind of interesting. And then U.S. Senate. So that's the other kind of most watched, most followed, most social media activity <laughs> around that race. So we have um, John Fetterman is a Democrat. He's currently our lieutenant governor in PA. And then we have um, Dr. Memon Oz, who is running on the Republican ticket. New Jersey's finest. I believe his official title is, uh, you know, <laughs> celebrity doctor. I don't know how, what how he prefers to be known, but his professional experience was um, he was an attending physician at New York Presbyterian Hospital and New York Medical Center. And he is known for his show, The Dr. Oz Show. He was also a medical advisor for Oprah Winfrey on her show for many years. That's his background. And that one has a pretty pretty big social media presence you followed because <laughs> from what I understand, uh, John Fetterman mm-hmm. had a seizure, mm-hmm. and so it was kind of he was off the trail. But his team was big on the the socials, mm. and um, he has kind of portrayed this very uh, steel town kind of rural Pennsylvania mm-hmm. look mm-hmm. and feel about him. He's been in he was the mayor of his town, I believe, mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania. Yep. Um, and I think, yeah, so, so he has that kind of image Mm -hmm. connecting with more kind of normal everyday Pennsylvanians. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, um, Dr. Oz is using his in-laws address to, to register (laughs) to be in Pennsylvania. He's been in New Jersey for like 20 years. enjoying this week's episode of the bro nouveau podcast as much as i enjoyed recording it and bringing it to you following this conversation with our guest i'll be giving my reflections in the conversation what we discussed and what stood out to me most get involved in the conversation find me on instagram at bro nouveau pod or send me an email thomas at bro 
I'd love to hear your thoughts on this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Enjoy the rest of the show. Two corrections. <laughs> uh, so John Fetterman had a stroke, uh, a stroke right before the primary elections here in Pennsylvania. Um, he is um, back on the campaign trail and his doctors have released statements that he expects to make a full recovery. But certainly um, the media has really been following that. Um, certainly Dr. Oz has been you know, calling that out repeatedly in his interviews. And you're absolutely right that both candidates have made this a social media election. They've poured millions of dollars into social media, um, you know, targeting and uh, attacking each other. So it's it's been quite a something to watch, <laughs> I'll say. Um, and then the other correction about uh, Dr. Oz is that he does currently have Pennsylvania presidents. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the, the truth of the matter is that, you know, he has not been a Pennsylvania resident for a very long time. And uh, a lot of people have also called that out. <laughs> Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's been it's been really, again, really interesting to watch all of this unfold. It's just kind of funny because if he was, you know, had been living in Maryland or Delaware or Ohio or West mm. Virginia, <laughs> it wouldn't have been a big deal. But New Jersey <laughs> is like the one state, yeah. people care about. There is a lot of uh, <laughs> there's definitely a lot of rivalry between our states as well. So, um, the favorite, my favorite kind of social media thing that I saw uh, about that was. Um, Snooky from from oh yeah um what's that show Jersey Shore. Jersey Shore made a comment about it so yeah everyone's watching that election Big <laughs> curious deal. to see what's gonna happen so I guess to why why does it matter like mm. a, kind of an obvious question but yeah. like the um, let's say particularly the the U S House and the U S Senate mm. seats yeah. where do they fit into the kind of lives of everyday Americans. Absolutely. So I I think we just spent so much time talking about social media on candidates. And I think we're all kind of watching with a little bit of chagrin and exhaustion, the hyper polarization of this election. And I think that dissuades a lot of people from wanting to participate. But the message that I'm trying to hit home and that the league is trying to hit home is that 2022 is an issues-based election. So despite the fact that we're living through this hyper-partisan time, voters can really cut through the noise and try to understand that um, how we vote for especially the the U.S. Senate seat, the governor's office, and the state legislature, that will have profound implications for a lot of policies here in PA. So no matter what side of the aisle that you sit on, your your vote is going to impact things like the economy, inflation, climate change, abortion access, criminal justice, education funding, all of those things it, yes, it matters what happens on the federal level, but it also matters what happens on the state level. And those are the policies that are actually going to affect your life and how you're going to see it. So I'll speak to abortion specifically. When Roe was overturned over the summer, abortion became a state-based issue. So now as we're seeing is it's up to individual states to establish their abortion access policies. Here in Pennsylvania, the, the Republican-controlled legislature has tried to push through anti-abortion legislation over and over and over again. And the protection against that has been Governor Wolf's veto pen. So his veto says, this isn't going to happen. 
abortion is, 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 is accessible in Pennsylvania. So if depending on who is in the governor's office next, that could change. Depending on who is in the Senate and the House making laws for us could change at the state level. And if we want to see some kind of comprehensive abortion legislation at the federal level, we need to, uh, you know, that'll that'll depend on who we elect as senator and, and Congress people. So it all trickles down. For sure. So let's take um, inflation, for example. How, how does one individual's vote in this election affect policy, inflation policy? Sure. So at the federal level, we just saw the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act, which I think if anyone just looks at that bill, it's not just about inflation. It's about a lot of things. <laughs> um, so, you know, the 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 who the president is, who our, our federal lawmakers are, um, they set anti-inflation policy. Um, and they're able to do things like affect interest rates. So there's there's that. And on the state level, any kind of state level relief, even local level relief for for Pennsylvanians that are experiencing the effects of inflation are set by the state legislature. So things like um, what happens to low income Pennsylvanians who can't pay their rent. You know what state policies are in place to protect them. Mm. Um, how does how are state level benefits established for Pennsylvanians that um, I know are really losing a lot of income from as a result of inflation? So it affects so many areas of our lives, um, state level policy, city level policy, and who we elect and what their priorities are in terms of correcting inflation, um, working to make sure that that Pennsylvanians have what they need to be safe and secure, you know, that 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 local level vote really matters. Right. And yeah, I think too that's why it's good to think about, like you said, the actual policies, what does each individual care about as a voter and mm-hmm. what is the the representative going to do instead of just being like, oh, this guy this gal likes mm-hmm. Trump and I like Trump or mm-hmm. they're progressive. I'm progressive. Right. You know, kind of looking right. a little bit deeper and not just associating with who we've always associated with. Absolutely. And I think a lot of Pennsylvanians do that while we do have the opportunity to vote quote down your ballot. So I just want to vote for members of this party for every level of office. Pennsylvania also has a lot of independent voters. So voters that are not affiliated with Republican or Democratic Party, or they're not Green Party members, they're not Libertarians, um, they vote independently. And um, I think we could all take a lesson from that book. They research each office independently and decide whose candidates match their priorities. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So one of the examples of the types of bills that Governor Wolf has been vetoing um, was PA Senate Bill 106, which was a constitutional amendment package that seeks to get rid of the right to abortion health care, make it harder to vote and to get rid of the governor's veto. Is that just in certain circumstances, get rid of the governor's veto or in all circumstances? That seems pretty crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk about Senate Bill 106. So Governor Wolf has not vetoed it um, because Senate Bill 106 is a constitutional amendment package. So I'm going to try to break this down as simple as possible because it's hard to understand for a reason. (laughs) Um, So essentially, the Pennsylvania legislature has the power to amend the Pennsylvania constitution through a very specific set of processes. And a constitutional amendment is not subject to the governor's veto. So that's what is a really important factor here. So essentially, if the Pennsylvania legislature wants to amend our state constitution, 
they have to go through a process that's very long and convoluted. So they have to pass the amendments to through two consecutive legislative calendar years. Mm. So they passed this constitutional amendment package last legislative session, or the one that we're currently in. They'd have to pass it again starting in January. And then if it passes a second time, it goes on the ballot for Pennsylvanians to vote on. So within this proposed constitutional amendment package that that was just passed over the summer, there were a lot of very controversial policies that every single voter needs to understand and read about. Um, So including as part of this package would be an amendment that would take away the right of any Pennsylvanian to get an abortion would also take away the right to any um, uh, state funding for abortion. So that's one of the biggest ones. Um, It would significantly reduce the power of the um, governor's veto, as you said. Um, It would also make it harder to vote in a lot of different ways, including um, stricter voter ID requirements in a state where we already have very strict voter ID policy. It would impose even more um, residency requirements and age requirements on voters, including a 90-day residency period with if you move within the state of Pennsylvania. So how that would play out would be, say you're a college student, you move from Lancaster to State College to vote Mm. in August. You would not be eligible to vote in Pennsylvania in the November election. So there's basically what these lawmakers did was put a lot of their agenda items that they were not able to pass in law into a consultational amendment package. Um, And what they're hoping is that they're able to pass it through these two sessions and then put it on the ballots for, for, quote, voters to decide. The problem with that, the problem with, quote, asking for voters to decide is that in Pennsylvania, we have a strong yes bias to constitutional amendment questions. So the way that they're written on the on our ballot, they're very long, they're convoluted, mm-hmm. they're in legalese. And because people don't understand what they mean or they haven't um, been able to research them beforehand, they're just going to vote yes. So essentially, if these questions make it to the ballot, they have a strong likelihood of passing. So- The other thing that I'd like to point out about Senate Bill 106 was the manner in which it was passed. So at the end of the legislative session, before they went on their summer recess, these lawmakers rammed through these constitutional amendments at 11 p.m. tonight. They suspended at 11 p.m. at night. So while we were all sleeping, these were passed. They suspended the legislative rules and changed them so that they could be able to debate and vote on them. And they also took zero public input. They didn't ask for any public commentary. They didn't let any of us know that this was going on. So basically, the manner in which this was passed was bad policy, and the policy itself is bad policy. So what you can do about this is, one, talk to your lawmakers now, say, I'm not happy with what happened, and two, elect people in the fall who don't agree with these positions and won't pass it a second time. Do you have any questions? (laughs) (laughs) No, all clear. Whew. No, I'm just kidding. It's a lot. <laughs> so if it passes mm-hmm. in 23, it would mm-hmm. go on the ballot in 24? It would go on the ballot in 23. Mm-hmm. So voters could see this as soon as May 2023, which is the next election after November. Okay. So let's dig into <clears throat> the abortion restrictions. Yeah. What are the bill sponsors saying about abortion? And how this bill relates to abortion and how do you read it? 
So the defense I'm understanding from the bill sponsors is basically saying, so already right now in Pennsylvania, there is no taxpayer-funded right to abortion. So you cannot use your Medicaid benefits to pay for an abortion in Pennsylvania. So basically what lawmakers are trying to say is that this would enshrine what's already in law in the Constitution. The problem with that is the Pennsylvania Constitution is not meant to take away rights. It is meant to grant rights. Also, what they're really saying is we notice that Roe has been overturned. We still have abortion laws on the books here. We want to make sure that if even if we can't pass it as a law, that it's enshrined in the Constitution. So it's basically impossible to take it out after that. So they're making sure... If- um, public funds can't be used, but you're saying that's already the case. That's already the case. So yeah. what is the, like, what does the text say? Like what are the, what are the actual, is it like a certain week ban or um, under all circumstances, abortion is not allowed or yeah. I'm curious, like what are the <clears throat> specifics? So the language is left intentionally vague. It basically just says Pennsylvania Constitution does not guarantee the right to an abortion and also does not provide public funding for an abortion. Mm. So it's specifically vague. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, so you mentioned the voter identification laws. So mm-hmm. is, is the 90-day one the main change on that front? That's that's um, that's a big change. Um, the additional voter ID requirement is also a change. And then the other very strange aspect of making it harder to vote that they also put in um, was restating an old provision of Pennsylvania law, which set the voting age to 21. So right now there's a lot of confusion and misunderstanding as to what this means. As voters, we don't actually know if they meant to do that. So meant to raise the proposed to raise the voting age to 21, whereas now it's 18. So just the, the, <laughs> the confusing nature of this, the rush nature of this, the fact that we don't actually know as voters what this could mean, it's just all hugely problematic. Um, there's also additional requirements for auditing the election results, which are a direct response to some of the big lie conspiracies that we've been seeing that the 2020 election was somehow fraudulent, that we didn't count the votes correctly. So basically, currently in Pennsylvania, the Department of State is the office that has election oversight, um, and they already conduct risk-limiting audits to affirm the integrity of that process. And what this is, this amendment essentially does is reinforces a lack of trust in our current election administration at both the county levels and the state levels, basically saying the county election offices that certify results, the Department of State that certifies the results, that's not good enough. We need to move this to a different level of, of government for some reason. Um, so it really is just trying to shift power away from actual election officials who do this as their job and place it under the authority of another agency. Um, and then the last, so we, like, there's so many constitutional amendments <laughs> in this. Um, the other one that we didn't really talk about is it changes the process, the selection process for the lieutenant governor. So right now, this amendment would take power away from voters to nominate the elected, nominate and then and then vote on who the lieutenant governor is and give it to political parties to be able to choose who that candidate is. So, um, you know, while we haven't studied this issue totally in depth, um, right now, we prefer that voters always have a say in who their elected officials are. And, um, so you know, the- I think in general... 
you know, making this position one that's selected by political parties would seem to give more power to political parties than, than to voters. Totally. So right now the lieutenant governor, as you, it's this whole separate race, so it's in no right. way related to the governor race. Exactly. So you could also have a bipartisan governor, lieutenant governor. Exactly. Set yep. Up. Yep. Yeah, and then <clears throat> I think that's problematic to yeah have a party nominate lieutenant governor because if one of the parties say in some weird world was hijacked by radicals they could put a pretty you know relatively radical individual up for that position and the voters mm-hmm. would i mean i guess they they would have their say ultimately <clears throat> in the actual election but yeah. ideally let's you know using like the example of like a trump conservative and then the more establishment conservative mm-hmm. um ideally those those Republican voters could choose between those two and not have to choose between a Trump Republican who they aren't crazy about and a Democrat. And then they're, you know, ideally they can, we can prevent that happening. Um, the other thing to dig into that I was curious about. So the veto, um, is it only in certain circumstances or kind of weakening? Cause Mm. the veto, the executive branches veto is one of the cornerstones of our democracy of our checks and balances system. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So currently, um, regulations, um, are crafted through a multi-step process that involves both public input and legislator input. So this change was, as you say, essentially alter the balance of power and the checks and balances system that we currently have that's defined in the constitution. Um, so the greater, so basically it would give the legislature unchecked power to stop any regulation if they had a simple majority um, in the legislature. And that could not be subject to any kind of governor signature or veto. So the greatest impact of this change that we foresee would be to prevent environmental regulations um, from being, um, you know, approved or, or vetoed by the governor. Um, So where we're seeing this most clearly and most currently in Pennsylvania is um, Pennsylvania recently joined something called the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, which would basically um, Pennsylvania joining a multi-state compact, um, you know, basically making a plan to reduce our our emissions. Um, So the the Pennsylvania House and Senate passed what's called a resolution of disapproval that said, you know, we don't approve of this regulation. We don't approve Pennsylvania join joining our GGI. And those resolutions were were vetoed by by Governor Wolf. So if this proposed amendment had been part of the Constitution, Governor Wolf wouldn't have been able to veto that resolution. Um, so, you know, right now I see this as politicking at its worst and hyperpartisanship at its worst. But the truth of the matter is the balance of power in Pennsylvania and will sway. And what does this mean down the road for our the integrity of our government if this is the system that we set up with the balance of power and how it is? So it's it's hugely problematic. And again, something that I think is buried in this this amendment package, which is again the point. Um, they want to pass, they want to push through all of these controversial things, hoping that people aren't paying attention. Well, we are. We're paying attention. We Thomas. are the night watch. We are the watchers <laughs> on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but yeah, I mean that's that's enough for me to yeah not like this because to get rid of the or even to weaken the veto power is yeah. is really not good. It's that's a very yeah. horrible precedent. And actually, I kind of liken it to the introduction of the filibuster. Mm. You know how different would our 
country look if mm. the filibuster had never been introduced. Mm. You yeah. Know, if, if we could, it would be so different. Be, a lot of <laughs> a lot of laws would have been passed. That, yeah. You know, yeah. instead of just basically being able to say, put your fingers in your ears and say, naughty, naughty, naughty. Like, why is that allowed? Yep. It's so true. Why is that allowed? Like, what? <sighs> okay. Well, a lot going on and a lot to care about. I guess more of a philosophical question oh boy. before we jump into resources. So a lot of people will say, oh, it's just one vote. I'm just one person. I can't mm. make a difference. Mm. What do you say to that? I love this question. I think what you need to be aware of, voter that doesn't believe in the power of their own vote, that there are examples of elections, especially at the local level, that were run won by 100 votes, 10 votes, two votes. So especially when it comes to electing, say, who's your city council member? Who is your, you know, majority leader of your local neighborhood group. Like these are all key examples of ways that your vote does count. And especially if you're prepared. And I think, you know, the other thing that I think that speaks to this feeling that my vote doesn't count is um, I don't have any power and I don't have any influence and I can't change the way I think this country is going. And the truth is voting is important, but there's so many other ways that your voice can matter even beyond voting. And we can talk through some of those at the end because I, I really want to get into that. But even just helping register three friends to vote, um, even signing one petition during a non-election year, even serving as a poll worker, these are all ways that you can make a difference. Awesome. Let's get out there and participate in a representative democracy. Democracy only works when everyone pays attention. Mm. 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 <laughs> and there are millions of mm. people who would love the privilege of being a citizen to vote Absolutely. in this country. And I think what also gets lost in that and maybe forgotten is that all groups of people in the U.S. have not had the right to vote since this country's founding. I mentioned that women have only had the right to vote for 100 years. People of color did have not had the right to vote since the, this country was founded. And in fact, we're still seeing instances of voter suppression all the time, attempts like this constitutional amendment package to make it harder to vote. So don't let them get you down. Get out there. Vote. Use your voice. Use your power. Mm. Awesome, Megan. Well, you mentioned uh, vote411.com? Yes, .org. .org, excuse me. Where <laughs> else can people go to kind of, to learn and, and prepare to vote? Yes. Um, this is a great question. I think also when people say, I, I don't have power, my, my vote doesn't count. I think it's also because sometimes people feel like they don't know where to begin and that politics seems so overwhelming, elections seem so overwhelming. I think, you know, we were bombarding everyone with information at the beginning of this interview about all the ways that, you know, all the different offices that are up for election, but you can be prepared for election day and there's a lot of ways to do that. Um, so first, as I mentioned, just find out what's on your ballot and check if you're registered to vote. Vote411.org is your one-stop shop for everything you need to know for your election. So 
You can check your voter registration status. You can renew it or update it if you need to. You can find your polling place for election day. You can request a mail-in ballot. And then you can use our ballot tool. So just a simple plug in your address and it'll populate a ballot for you. You can read about all your candidates. You can select the candidates that you like. You can even print out that ballot and bring it with you on election day if you're worried about not being able to remember your candidates' names that you had researched. So there's that. And there's so many other ways that you can be prepared too. Um, reading about candidates is is a great idea, but choosing trustworthy sources without a partisan leading is really important. I'll share some resources at the end about how to audit your news sites and how to make sure that they're not, um, you know, leaning toward one sort of party or ideology. You can also look up um, your candidate's legislative history. So if they're currently running for office and they've already served some kind of elected office, you can look up the history of their votes, um, the bills they've authored, the bills they've sponsored or voted for or against, and just to get an idea of their values and priorities. And again, that's not hard to do. That's all public information. Um, Next, find out who's funding their campaign, who's giving them money. Um, so under state and federal campaign finance laws, you can all candidates are required to regularly file paperwork that shows who's given the money and how they spent it. Again, public-facing information. Finally, look at their social media. Look at their Facebook, their Twitter, their Instagram, their TikTok. These candidates, they're on social media. They know how to use it. And also, I highly recommend looking at Facebook's ad library to see um, what their campaigns are paying to promote because candidates can put money behind paid ads. So what are the priorities? What are they putting information? What are they putting money into spreading information on? Right. So those are just what a couple the, ideas. What are the like platforms that they're pushing to their target audience right. and saying about themselves is important? Yeah. Like if you care about, um, you know, climate change, how is your governor, how are your cover, government, governor candidates, paying money on Facebook to talk about climate change. Is it climate change denial? Do they support regulations to reduce emissions? Do they not? I mean, they're using social media to talk about their platforms on all of those issues. Wonderful. And the last thing you, uh, you also mentioned you want to talk about kind of maybe grassroots organizing or getting involved, right. participating more actively beyond, you know, on, on the day of. Right. So I always say be a super voter. Um, vote every year, <laughs> twice a year. Um, primary elections and general elections happen every year. And I think also it's one of those things where getting involved also seems so time consuming or arduous, but really you can, getting involved doesn't have to be hard. Um, you can be a poll worker on election day, it's a paid position. Um, you're at the polls all day helping people with their, you know, identify, checking, um, helping people check in, showing them how to use the system. It's a really rewarding experience and it really does help the day run smoother for everyone. So I definitely recommend becoming a poll worker. I'll share information on how to sign up um, in the follow-up. You can register your friends and family, have conversations like this, tough conversations where you talk about the issues, where you talk about why the election matters, and then just stay engaged. So our lawmakers work for us. They're putting their resume out and they're saying, I want this job description. So following up with them, making sure that they're, you know, maintaining their campaign promises, um, following up to see how they're voting, calling your lawmakers, signing petitions, sending emails. These things actually do make a difference and definitely matter, especially in local elections and local lawmakers. 
who literally work for you and your neighborhood. So if your potholes aren't being filled on your street, <laughs> to contact your lawmaker, you know, um, and then go to their candidate forums, go to their public events. These don't require a lot of time um, or resources um, to go. So I would just say, stay engaged, hold your government accountable, um, follow up to see what they do after elections. And then if you really, you know, are a policy wonk and <laughs> you want to get more deeply involved, I also have to make a plug for joining the League of Women Voters. We're a national organization. We have chapters at the local level and the state level. And we're the ones who are really in the weeds following bills and policies so that you don't have to. So we're the ones that send email notifications. Hey, this bill is coming up for a vote. If you care about it, you know, send an email. We're the ones doing that. And it's a great way to be involved hyperlocally or federally or at the state level, however you want to be involved. And it's a nationwide organization. Correct. So someone in Nebraska. Yes. You can join a league in Nebraska. Okay. For all my, my Nebraskans. <laughs> For all there. the Nebraska listeners. We also have a league in Hong Kong. If you live in Hong Kong. Oh, mm-hmm. democracy is going great over there. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome, Megan. Well, thank you for your time and for all of the insights. And I hope everyone listening is inspired to get involved, whatever state they live in. Yes. Whatever and, democracy they live in. Yes. And if in a democracy. Absolutely. And just another reminder in Pennsylvania, you have to register to vote by October 24th. And you can do that at vote411.org. Booyah. What a legend, Megan. Thank you for coming on the podcast and talking about the election and sharing your professional expertise with all of us. I hope this conversation was inspiring to you to get involved and to take advantage of the privilege that you have. If you are an American citizen and can vote, I hope you take advantage of the privilege of voting and participating in our representative democracy. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. We'll see you next Friday for the next episode of the Bro New Bill podcast.